I did play the game later, though. Like, I got it with English, and I played it later, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize that pacifism was an undertone of the game, so I actually spent the first game trying to kill everybody, uh, which was a mistake, because you get to that scene where you walk down and everyone you've killed actually comes and, like, says shitty things to you. That was a really long scene for me, and it was pretty tough to take, and it did teach me an interesting lesson that I needed to curb my tendencies if I was going to play these games. So I actually, after that, went back and started it again and started a pacifist run where I tried not to kill anyone but the people you have to kill. And I, that was the moment I really started to understand the Metal Gear Solid series and what they were trying to go for. So I was talking to someone and we were talking about uh, how much cheating goes on in Japan. In Ninja News Japan, I forget what it was. Uh, the statistic, because I'm doing it off memory now. But it was like, when you've hit, a man is hit like 60 years old, like 60, 70% of those men have cheated on their partner. And statistically speaking, it was women in their 20s cheated the most, cheated more than men in their 20s. And then that number went down. But for men, uh, it went up every consecutive decade. But we were talking about you know, cheating, cheating culture on Japan, how it's so common. Uh, they have the love hotels. Now, they say the love hotels, the, the sort of like thin veneer they put over it is that, you know, young people don't have apartments. They live with their family until they get married. So there's no place for them to do it. But I think a lot more people in those love hotels at any one minute are actually cheating on their boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, whatever. And I was actually saying... One of the things you have to be careful of is if your mistress wears glitter. So a lot of makeup has glitter in it, has sparkly bits. And this came off a previous conversation. And the previous conversation was that this guy had a girl over. This wasn't cheating. They weren't in an exclusive relationship. A guy had a girl over and the girl had folded the toilet paper. This is a very Japanese thing, is you rip the toilet paper off, you wipe what you gotta wipe, and you flush that down, but you fold the toilet paper into a little triangle so it's easier for the next person to grab. Now that is something that women do, it's very considerate, but it's not something men tend to do. Now I said that this was not the girl he was with being considerate, that was the girl he was with sending a message to any subsequent girls that would go into that bathroom saying that a woman has been here, just so you know, I'm claiming this man. So if you are in a situation in Japan where you're dating a Japanese girl and you have another woman over and she folds the toilet paper, either you have to start folding the toilet paper all the time or you have to know that that woman is actually putting a message out there. I was equating that to a woman wearing glitter. She's going to act like wearing makeup with glitter in it is innocent. That she's just wearing glitter to, you know, make her more beautiful. It, uh, you know, sparkles so it's more attractive. But glitter, by its very nature, gets onto other things, which means it's going to be on your face. If you have a beard, it's going to be in your beard. It's going to be on your clothes. So this is the equivalent of the lipstick on the collar, which isn't something that ever happens unless a girl kisses your collar on purpose, which in that case, she is absolutely sending a message to your wife that you're cheating with another woman. But what she's actually trying to do is rat you out to other women so that other women know that you've been with someone who isn't them. It's a very complicated set of sentences I just tried to put together. 
because what's happening is they know that you aren't putting glitter on. So if they find glitter on you, what they're finding is the remnants of another woman, someone essentially marking their territory. Or what you need to do is start covering this. You need to wear something that has glitter in it and drizzle glitter on your crotch on a regular basis so that there's always some glitter on your body at all times. And they might think that's weird, but what you're actually doing is getting a step ahead of them, cutting them off at the glitter announcement that you've been with X amount of women, where X is found to be not one. What I did find by the end of this series of conversations was that cheating keeps people mentally fit and creative because you have to think about a lot of things that you wouldn't have to think about if you are in a stable, single relationship. And men being as simple-minded as they are and as basic as they might be, it might be one of the reasons that they always get caught out because you aren't really mentally fit enough to hide all the signs that women might put out there that you're actually cheating on the person you're supposed to be with. So I think about a lot of media, fiction, stuff like that. It's a huge element of the Velocipodcast universe. I was thinking about Immortals recently. I talk about Highlander a lot because a guy I work with and I, uh, we're both of age for when Highlander was a thing. Again, we're, I'm now meeting people who I could actually make references that they do not know. It's not like they've you know, heard about it and just not seen the movie. They've never even heard about it. So it's a question of do we force the young people we like to go and watch all the shitty movies that we enjoy so they can get our references or at least enjoy them with us? Or is it just, you know, time has moved on? It's actually a very interesting question. Uh, I think the last podcast, maybe the one before, I was talking about, is it worthwhile introducing young people to Steven Seagal so they can hate him too? Because I certainly do enjoy hating Steven Seagal. It is one of the most satisfying aspects of my life, how much I despise him as a human being. But immortals. And usually immortals are quite sexy. Like vampires. Vampires tend to be quite sexy. They don't show them as old and gross. And one of the things about immortals... I learned it from the Greek tragedy of someone whose name I don't remember who becomes a grasshopper because this guy was given a wish. This was a good lesson to learn when I was young because if I was there in the situation where someone was like going to grant me immortality, I knew what I needed, like sort of the caveats to go with it. He said he was given a, the opportunity to have a wish granted by the gods. He said he wanted to be immortal, but he didn't say eternal youth. So he just got older and older and older and older. And he became this like withered husk of a human being who couldn't move anymore because he was so old and so weak and he couldn't die. And actually at that point he wanted to die. And then some God took mercy on him and turned him into a grasshopper. And that's why grasshoppers have that sort of old withered face. It's the myth. It's a good story. In reality, a lot of immortals are trying to blend into society. So they should look exactly like everyone looks in society at the time. Okay, that's acceptable. It's also quite boring. What I'm thinking about, though, was immortals within their own society and what they would look like and what they would find attractive and beauty standards. Because beauty standards change over time. I was a child of the 80s and 90s. And at that time, the only thing people cared about was massive hair and big boobs. So if you go back and you look at famous people from the 80s, movie stars, pinup models, anything you can find, you're going to find a lot of hair and you're going to find really big boobs. That's going to be the two common themes overall. 
If you go back to pornography, I mean, you can see just a lot of boobs, boobs everywhere. By the 2010s, I think even before that, probably just post 2000, you could say, it had shifted to large hips and butt. And so booty became a thing. It became very important. Now, it's not like big boobs disappeared as like an appealing feature, but they became less emphasized. And it's not the one, if you had to pick one, it probably wouldn't be the one you picked if you were born or coming of age in that time. I have lived in Japan now for a very long time. And my aesthetic has certainly been impacted by society that I live in. And it has changed. And again, at times in a scary way. Because you're exposed to underage girls so regularly, the acceptable age range you have for what is, you know, a potential partner, even though that's not really what I'm looking for right now, maybe, is a number that gets pushed down. So when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I probably never would have thought of dating someone under 20 years old. So like I'm saying like an 18, 19 year old, not getting like, you know, scary and pedophilia or whatever But I can tell you now after living in Japan, where they push youth so hard and it's all you see everywhere, that that number has dropped way lower than what it used to be. Or maybe I've actually just hit my midlife crisis and that's just what happens. So maybe it's not society, maybe it's my age and it's just like an instinctual thing that happens to men at this age. Uh, I do look at a lot of sports cars. I don't have the money to buy one. That is the saving grace of not being rich, is I will not be able to buy all the cheesy things that... uh, guys in their midlife crises by. I'm not even like immortal, but my tastes have changed from when I was young to now. What I look for has changed. So for an immortal, maybe the first 50, 100, 200 years, there would be changes, but it would be small ones. It would be like, yes, boobs to butts, just like society did. It would be tall to short, short to tall. It would be old to young, whatever. They would start to find different things attractive. But then it would get to the point where all that gets repetitive. So when all that becomes repetitive, like I'm tired of boobs and butts, I don't really care. They're the same to me as far as I'm concerned now. The most attractive thing for someone who's immortal would be something unique. So the sexiest thing you could be is interesting. So that's why I think immortals, if they're not trying to blend in with society, which Honestly, if you were immortal, you probably would find a way to make a ton of money and not actually have to worry about it. So you'd be super rich and do whatever you want. Again, I'm just trying to think of a society of immortals. Uniqueness, originality, surprise would be the sexiest traits. That would be the thing. If you want to be appealing to other immortals, you need to surprise them in some way. And the thing is, the surprise, of course, wears off over time. So it would actually be best if you could change or modify yourself constantly. So of course, the first idea, tattoos, so that gives you something to look at, but tattoos don't change. So that would grow stale. Body modifications like piercing and branding and all the things you could do to your body. Again, at first, very exciting, very interesting, but then over 100, 200 years becomes bland and repetitive and boring. So if you're going to write your immortal, This is something to consider because when you get to the 500 year mark, the only things they would find interesting are the things they've never seen before. Like every other thing, tattoos. I've seen a million tattoos in my life, body piercings. I've seen a little million body piercings in my life, uh, extreme flexibility. I've seen that a dozen times in my life, 
there are all kinds of things they would have done and seen so many times that those things have become commonplace and boring, even if they're really strange and unique to everyone else. So we get to the hard part now, whereas if you're going to write what would be attractive to someone who's immortal, you actually have to think of something that would be surprising to you, remain surprising for a long time, as something you could modify regularly. My first idea, I'm not actually saying I'm smart enough to come up with the right answer for this, but it is something that I've thought about and certainly I can put it out there for other people. If you're going to write immortals, this is the kind of thing you should actually think about. Is how old are they? How much have they experienced? What have they seen in the world? Is this enough to make it seem like they have lived a million years? Modification with screens under the skin. So it's essentially cybernetics. But if you could put thin displays under the skin, those could be continually modified and changed to remain entertaining and surprising to whoever engages with them. So it could be in your arms, could be in your back or on your stomach, or again, your boobs could light up or something like that. But thin, essentially TV screens that you can then modify. You could change your color. You could change uh, your tattoos. You could change, have things move across your body. That would be the first step. Now, even then, that's just image. The second step would make it tactile. So uh, it moves across your body, but it's actually got, it's bumpy or something. So you could have Braille across your body and the other person could read the Braille as they engage with you. You could change the Braille so it says something. So as I run my hand down your back, you're actually speaking to me. These are interesting ideas. And the ability to continually modify them is what would make it appealing to another immortal. No conclusion to this, but... I have given you a little bit of background if you want to write a story with an immortal in it. This is the kind of thing that would be worth thinking about. Because what you find interesting, exciting, and sexy now, it's very likely you would not find that same thing interesting and sexy in 100 years or 200 years after you've seen it a dozen times. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast, sexy out homies. So we watch this dialogue. Now the di- the cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid, cutscenes in the Metal Gear